by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, there was this farmer in Texas. He had this big ranch, and he was out there working one day, building his fences, and the car was markings on the side come driving up the guy gets out with a uniform and he comes over there to the farmer he says i'm with the dea and i'm here to make sure that you're not growing any illegal drugs on your ranch and the farmer's like i don't i wouldn't do that sir but but don't go in that field over there and the dea just says sir do you realize who i am let me explain something to you look at this badge this badge says I can go anywhere I want to. I have authority to do anything that I want to here. The farmer said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the DEA agent, DEA agent, what did he do? He went right off to the place the farmer told him not to go. <laughs> it wasn't a few minutes later. He hears all this screaming and hollering. The farmer puts down his tools and walks over to the fence and looks across there. And that DEA agent's... DEA agent is running across that field with a big Brahma bull chasing him, about to gore him in the butt. <laughs> it's just going to be any moment before he catches him. And the farmer looks across there and he says, show him your badge. Show him your badge. <laughs> We've been talking about authority. And we have a badge. But there's conditions on our authority. We, know how to, we need to know how to use our authority in the right way, right? For the right purposes. Uh, we have talked that all authority belongs to God. Any authority that he has given us is delegated authority. And what's been delegated to us is authority to believe God for the promises that we see in the word of God. Amen. Is everybody caught up to where we are? That's what we've been talking about in the last few weeks. We talked about that his promises, that the authority that we have must be focused, conditional, and that we will be held responsible for how we use it. It's focused, meaning it's limited to the promises that he has made us. It's conditional. That's what, what we've been talking about last week and this week, how do we operate in that power and that authority. And then, of course, we will be held responsible. Why couldn't Paul... I mean, why could Paul cast out those demons, but the seven sons of Sceva could not? Remember the story I told last week? They got run out of the house trying to do the same thing. Talk, said the same things as Paul. What gave Elijah authority to call down fire out of heaven? You know, he did it three different times, not just the one time. Man, that's a lot of authority. What gave Moses authority to part the Red Sea? To command water to come out of a rock? Joshua to shout down the walls of Jericho. Joshua to tell the sun to be still in Gibeon. 
Where does this type of authority come from? How do we get it? Elisha to raise the Shunammite's daughter from the dead. That's great authority. Say great authority. How was Sarah able to have a child at 90 years old? When she had been barren her whole life. And then even more than that, what gave Abraham the ability to take that son that he loved, the son of promise, and lay him on the altar and was about to sacrifice him to God. Of course, we know that God doesn't like us to sacrifice our children, but he was just testing Abraham. But why did Abraham do it? Because he had faith in the resurrection power of God. He did it because he knew that God was able to raise up Isaac, even if he killed him. Amen? Amen. How did Jesus perform miracles? How did Jesus have victory over death, hell, and the grave? What gave Jesus the ability to go to our cross and face our sins? Was it not the resurrection power? That he had faith in. He had faith in the resurrection power of God. Do you have faith in the resurrection power of God? Well, what, what takes a washed out drug addict in the alley with nobody else believing in him? No resources, nothing left in his life. It's over in the world's sight. And what turns his life around if it is not the resurrection power of Jesus Christ comes into his life by faith? What changed your life? What turns your life around from the direction you knew you were headed <laughs> that you didn't want to go? Who turned you around? Who brought you out of the tomb? Who said, Greg, come forth. Marcia, come forth. And you had faith in that resurrection power of God. Last week, we were going to talk about nine things. They're sort of conditions to operate in your authority. We only got to two. Because we found that faith was really the only condition. And the other things are just things that that either shape or shake our faith. That makes sense? We're going to talk about the other things, but these are things that really either shape or shake our faith. And faith is what God is after. Remember we said God is looking for trust. God wants us to trust Him. When He knows we trust Him, then He knows we can be trusted. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things to hope for. It gives substance to a hope. Hope in itself, if it's not based on the resurrection power of our God, it's just like the world's type of hope. Well, I hope it happens. 
but faith in the resurrection power of our God gives substance to that faith. I can look at my hand and say, I hope that somebody put some keys to a car in my hand. But that's just hope. But if I'm trusting that God will meet my needs according to his riches and glory, I can declare that God will meet my needs according to his riches and glory. And it put, puts substance it puts substance to our faith. It brings it to pass. It takes things out of the spiritual realm and brings them into our natural realm. That's how it works. It starts here in the heart. Faith is now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We don't have to see to believe. We walk by faith, not by sight. For by the el but by it the elders obtained a good testimony. God was pleased with the elders because they had faith. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God spoke it into existence. There was not light and God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was not an earth. And God said, let there be an earth. There was not a Tony. But God said, let there be a Tony. Amen. That he may go and bless the whole world. <laughs> Faith is the fuel in our spiritual authority tank. You understand, that's what God is looking for. I'm still on faith. I'm still back in last week. We can't get off of faith. All right, so let's get off of faith. <laughs> we all understand that faith is the, the fuel in our spiritual authority tank. It's what makes things go. Without that, we have nothing. Now let's talk about the things that either shape or shake our faith. Love, number three on the list. Faith worketh by what? It works by love. Galatians 5, 6. And everything that God does is by, because God is, God is love. And so everything he does is by love. So faith, which is God is after, is done by love. God's power is too potent to be put into the hands of somebody who will not use it in love. If God were to trust you with his power, You'd be like the disciples. You'd be calling down fire on everybody. Wouldn't you? God can't trust us. He can only trust us with as much power as he knows we'll use in love. Jesus said, you, you don't know what spirit you are of. Right? I remember I've told the story about the time when I was young in my faith and we were going to minister down on Bill Street one time. And on the way down there, I don't know why I didn't know a lot of scriptures. I wasn't some awesome evangelist or nothing. I was just going down there. And I was like, God, I don't know what to do. But I remember praying, please let me see everybody with your eyes. 
Let me see them through your eyes. Let me... And, and when I got there, I began to see these people, and, and there were broken people coming through the soup line and stuff, and I began to minister to them, but, and I began to see them differently. You know how we just classify people? Oh, they're just, they're the poor, and I'm, I'm the middle class, or they're this, and the, but I'm better. You know, Christianity can really be ugly, right? Amen. We begin to see ourselves as better than other people because of you know, the amount of sin in our life or compared to theirs or the amount of money I have compared to them or the times I go to church compared. But God, I ask him to see them the way he sees them. And when I did, I began to see them all like little children with all the hope in the world, you know, because one day they were little children. They didn't want to grow up and be homeless on the street. They may have went through things that we can't even fathom. And see, God was with them through it all. And when I began to see them with the tenderness and the love that, like, the father has for his children, man, such love welled up inside of me. I, and just supernatural things began to happen. They were following me around. I'm serious. I was on Bill Street, and I had an entourage of people I didn't know. And then I was praying for folks and laying hands on people. And one pe person ran down the street. He touched me. He touched me like Jesus had touched him. And I thought he was making fun of me. I was like, well, that's not cool. You know, he's making fun of me. He's... But he was serious. He began to tell other people, that guy touched me. And I was like, it ain't me. It's Jesus if you felt anything. Because these hands. But these hands are supposed to be the hands of Jesus. Our heart is supposed to be filled with his love so that these hands become the hands and these feet become the feet of Jesus. And I'd never experienced power like that or, or never experienced it since. Maybe I need to pray that prayer more often. Lord, let me see people. And you know, another thing, the more love that we receive, the more that we allow God to show us how he feels about us, the more confident we are in him. And what is that? Faith. Faith. If I know how much he loves me and how much he's going to be with me through thick and thin, how much mercy he has shown me and the grace that he gives me, then I can begin to give it away. And I can begin to to believe that he would dare to use me. I was just an, a young person in the faith. No credentials or nothing. I still am. And he will use you. If you will operate in his love. You ever see the story of Enoch in the Bible? I think he was like the first person ever raptured. He was just taken up in a time where people were living to be eight, nine hundred years old before God said, I can't do that no more. <laughs> before he changed that rule <laughs> early on, they were living to be really old. But when Enoch was 365 years old, he was just a young pup. <clears throat> it says his testimony in Hebrews 11, 5 says by faith, by faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Whew. 
I often pray, Lord, come quickly like I did this morning because I want him to come back because I don't want to see death. I don't want to see death for my wife. I don't want to see death for my children. I just hope Jesus comes back. But by faith, Enoch did not taste death. Listen to this. And what... Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. God just yanked him up. Before he was taken, he had this testimony. <clears throat> Excuse me. That he pleased God. What, what do you think he did that pleased God? Don't you want to know? I think he just loved God. He just trusted God. I think he just allowed God into his everyday life. That he got up in the morning and said, Hello, God, what are we going to do today? Let's walk together. I'm sure he had chores to do, a field to tend, some mules to feed or something. But I believe he just did it with God. I'm sure he had a job and I'm sure he had responsibilities and bills. But he had this testimony that he pleased God, that he spent time with God. Because it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He was seeking God because he believed that he would be blessed for it. Do you ever feel like sometimes, man, I'm doing all this, I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to church and it ain't working? Man, my problems is just as bad as everybody else. The best thing about waking up is not Folgers in your cup. <laughs> the best part of waking up <laughs> is the relationship with Jesus, to seek after him, to know him, and the power of his resurrection. How was Elijah able to call down fire from heaven? Because he had faith in the resurrection. And yes, even the fellowship of his sufferings, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, but yes, that he's going to be with me in the fire. I have fellowship down in there. I have fellowship in the lion's den. You got something the world don't have. And when you seek God, man, he rewarded him. He's like, son, you know, it's like you got one foot on earth and one foot up here in heaven already. Let's just take you on up. Come on up. It pleased God. But it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Your love for the Lord is the active ingredient of your faith. Faith worketh by love. When you love him, you'll believe him. When you believe him, you'll walk in authority. So, 
for those of you who weren't here last week, the first thing was don't be ignorant that you have authority in Christ, spiritual authority. And then the second thing was faith. The third thing, what I just say? Love. Faith worketh by love, so love. The fourth thing is simply to remain in Christ. And that's what Enoch did. He remained in Christ. He made Christ his life. It wasn't just his Sunday deal. It was his everyday walk. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. You see what I'm teaching you here in this series? Allow you to walk in such authority that anything that you ask will be granted. You see, if you remain in Christ, you remain in His love. If you remain in His love, you remain in His power. Then you're able, like Jesus, to say, Not my will, but thy will. Be done. And you won't use his power for, for the wrong purposes. Is this all making sense to you? <clears throat> you know, sometimes my band plays places where they don't have a lot of power. I remember playing one time. We was out in the field somewhere, and we tried to run this orange electrical cord, about a 150-foot cord. We tried to run it from some barn somewhere way out in the field. And we have all these amps and and drawing all this wattage and electrical needs, you know, is, you know, enough to power a small city. And we trying to run it through that one electrical cord, and we was 150 feet away. What do you think happened? You blow a fuse. You either blow a fuse or you burn something up. We've burned up extension cords before. We've played where the electronic drums will be The sound be coming in and out, you know, we just don't have enough power. That's the way many of us are living our lives. When it's time to shout the praise of God, we got to, oh, Lord. We don't have enough power. We're not remaining in Christ. He's our Sunday deal. But he's not our life. We're not walking with him like Enoch. We're not seeking him diligently with our whole heart. Stay so close to Jesus, when the devil looks at you, he don't see you, he sees Jesus. He sees the Jesus all over you. So number four is remain in Christ. Number five, seek holiness. I have noticed that our youth in this generation are really seeking holiness. The bad news is it's only in their genes. Angie said. Woohoo. Say woohoo, Angie, be better. To this generation, holiness just sounds like a churchy word. Man, that's something that I can't attain. It's unsustainable if I was to attain it. Holiness, I can't do that. That's, that's perfection. We, we think holiness is perfection. 
because we associate holiness with God. And he does add that extra ingredient called perfection. He's the only one that is truly, truly holy. But nevertheless, I found a good definition of holiness that I like that suits us. Because if we couldn't be holy, God wouldn't have said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Right? And if God says, be ye holy, then what should we be? <laughs> this stuff is pretty easy, isn't it? De Denise, is this how you teach your students at school? <clears throat> okay, this is the definition I found. A life that is set apart. Reserved to give glory to God. It is a life of discipline, focus, and attention to matters of righteous living. Righteous meaning right with God, the right way of doing things, God's way of doing things. So you're, you're trying to live your life according to God's ways. You want to be right with God. You're focused. You're, you're disciplined. Do you know that, what's that thing you got on the refrigerator it says you won't always be motivated, so you must always be disciplined or something like that? We have to discipline our life. We have to decide on the front end that I have decided to follow Christ. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Amen. I'm just making that declaration. I decide on the front end to live my life set apart for God because I know obedience brings blessing. And disobedience brings death. It's, that's pretty simple, too. You remember I used to do the hands to my children? Okay, do what I say. We'll go get some ice cream, and you'll be blessed. You keep whining? Well, we're going to use this hand for something else. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to see the Lord. I'm like, who was it? Moses says, show me your glory. James 5.16 says the earnest prayer of a righteous person or a holy person, person living according to God's standards, has great power and produces wonderful results. Yes. Sounds like that person up here that says, ask for anything you want and it will be granted. But sin is a power killer. It's like... A weed eater to your extension cord. You know what I'm saying? It is a power killer. It separates us from the power source. God is holy. He's so holy that he's like a bug zapper to sin. And so sin, we, he must separate himself from sin or he will zap us. Sin separates us from God. 
And God won't extend his authority to those who will wield it against his principles. And then I wrote this. Sin typically, say typically. Sin typically breaks fellowship with God and robs us of our faith. That's what I'm talking about, these things that we're talking about. They either do, they either shape or, or they shake our faith. And I say sin typically breaks fellowship with God and robs us of our faith. And, and is that true in your life? When you know you, man, I did that thing and I promised I wasn't going to do it. I did it again and I did it knowing I wasn't supposed to do it. And I was, I was praying when I did it. I told God, I'm sorry, but I'm doing it. And then the next day you ask for forgiveness 65 times. And you're feeling bad. And then when you need to pray for somebody, oh, God, I want to pray for them. But I don't believe that you'll listen to me because I know what I've done. That's the way typically Christians live. But I have, because I have walked so closely with the Lord in my life for so long and experienced his mercy so many times. There have been times that I have stand behind this pulpit and preached righteousness to you knowing that I got issues in my life. And laid hands on people and saw prayers answered despite my imperfections. Because I trust in 1 John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Sometimes the devil is going to bring condemnation. He's going to try to get you to beat yourself up for weeks and weeks and weeks. Meanwhile, you're missing opportunity after opportunity to minister Christ to someone. He wants us to be in a perpetual state of sin consciousness. And my Bible says that my God became sin for me that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I have to accept that by faith despite the, the misgivings that I I mean the, the, the weakness that I am. I have to believe that my God's power is bigger than my weakness. And that God loves me. And that positionally I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Though I sin, there's forgiveness. God's not through with any of us yet. We got to, as we mature, we begin to understand the mercy of God like we do the grace of God. And God can still use you. Man, I have seen... People get saved, and a week later, they're still dealing with drugs and alcohol and, and puffing a cigarette when they're witnessing somebody and still get people saved. I have seen God use sinners that ain't even repented. I've seen God use a donkey. I know he can use me. So don't let your faith be conditional on your state, okay? You'll never use it. All right, number six, watch our words. 
You know, you've heard me say, loose lips sink ships. That's an old saying that came from World War II. Because, you know, say an American sailor was stopping by in a port somewhere and some girl snuggles up to him. He's had a few beers and she said, where y'all going? Oh, we're going to the islands over here, so-and-so. That's where our next assignment is. That woman goes straight to the Japanese or the Germans and tell them where they're going. Next thing you know, the ship's on the way and submarines are sinking the ship because somebody had loose lips. And so they had a campaign <clears throat> to tell our soldiers, y'all stop talking. <clears throat> Sometimes we have loose lips and all we're doing is talking negative and revealing our heart. <clears throat> and there's a devil listening. <clears throat> and God's listening too. And, and I was over at Tony's house yesterday. He was moving, and he had this on the wall. I said, can I bring that and show them that I'm, I'm telling the truth when I said loose lips sink ships? This is a, a poster he had. It says, a careless word, a needless sinking. That was another campaign at the same time. This is from World War II. This is the original poster. I thought I'd show that just... Show you, I don't always tell lies. <clears throat> Just kidding. <clears throat> I do. No. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You are a product right now of the words you have spoken over your life in the past. Oh, I just can't lose weight. I'm always going to be poor. I never, I, I can never get ahead. Oh, I can't afford anything nice. If, any, if nobody else is listening, you're listening to yourself. And a man, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Stop saying dumb stuff. Start saying what the Word says about you, about your relationship, about your family, about your health. James 3, 6 says, Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Who is controlling this thing? Are you letting God control this thing or the devil? Y'all remember Aesop's fables? I guess he used to tell a lot of stories with morals and stuff. One of them goes like this. Once upon a time, excuse me, there was a donkey and he found a lion's skin. And he tried it on and he strutted around and he frightened many animals. Soon a fox came along and the donkey tried to scare him too. But the fox, hearing the donkey's voice, said, If you want to terrify me, you'll have to disguise your bray. And Aesop's moral was this. Clothes may disguise a fool, but his words will give him away. If we want God's results in our life, we're going to have to speak God's word. 
Don't be a braying donkey. Be a praying donkey. <clears throat> Besides, how is our faith activated? By our words. God didn't say in his heart, I wish there was light. He said, Faith speaks. The power of your tongue is way more of a serious deal than you're giving it credit for. I am serious when I say you are where you are right now because of the words you have spoken over your own life. You may not have the power to, to change the world, but you have the power to change your world with your tongue. Stop saying some of the dumb stuff you say. The negative things you say over your life. It's like the devil's like, I don't even have to do nothing. Look at them. They got this for me. You remember when the, the woman with the issue of blood came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment and she was healed? Did the scripture say she thought in her heart that if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole? Is that what the Bible says? Sounds like that was what the Bible said. But actually the Bible says, didn't, didn't say that she thought in her heart. It says that she said that if I may but touch the hem of his garment. Look it up. She said it. Faith. You've got to put words to your faith. If God had to put words to his faith, we've got to put words to our faith. Say what you want in your life according to God's word. What did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. I want what is written. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. His words need to be my words. I don't want to write a new story. I want to be who he created me to be. Number seven, remain under authority. I know you're getting tired. I'm about to quit. Maybe we should just quit now and we'll do the rest next week. Remain under authority. We talked about the Roman soldier who had great faith. He said, I'm a man under authority. All you have to do is speak the word like we just talked about, speak the word, Jesus, and I know my servant will be healed. Jesus was amazed at the man's faith. But he talked about he was not just a, a man with authority. He was a man under authority. And you see, the power that God delegates to his people is within a structure of authority. He uses us all in somewhere in that structure. And if you don't play according to God's rules, you don't get to play. You don't get to have his authority. So those of you who are wanting to be a boss one day, wanting to, you know, be a leader, be careful how you operate in the structure of authority. Are you talking bad about your uh, employer? Are you not doing your job well? Because one day, you know, you'll reap what you sow. And if you do become a leader, that'll be the kind of employees you have. So play well. In the structure of authority, God's power comes in a structure. 
Then number eight. This is, this is important. All these are important, aren't they? They are all important. Uh, this is really important because if you don't know why you have authority, then you won't know what to do with it. But number eight is use your authority to serve. That's why we have authority. John 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Now, that's something that we should know. We should settle that, that God has given us authority and that we came from God and that we should return to God. Because Jesus knew this, it says, so he got up. So, because he knew that, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and then did what? He got on his hands and knees with a bucket of water and began to wash his disciples' feet. Because he knew he had all authority. Because he knew he came from the Father, knew he was going back, all that settled in his life. Now what am I going to do with it? And the Lord of glory, the one who created the stars and the heavens, fell to his knees and washed the dirty disciples' feet. Use your authority to serve. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom of God is he who serves. You want to be great? Serve. Jason, why'd you come yesterday to help, help move in the 100 degree heat? You wanted to serve. Amen. Amen. Peter, he saw the guy at the gate. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. Maybe there's a time you have some silver and gold, and that's what they need. But such as I have, I give thee. Rise and walk. Use your authority to serve. We don't understand why it's given. We don't know how to use it properly. And then the last one is stay prayerful. After all, I mean, that's when we're most exercising our authority is when we're praying. Right? Amen. It's been said that a prayerful church is a powerful church. And I believe that with my whole heart because prayer is not just communication, but it's communion. And that's remaining in Christ. You know, as pastor of this church, I can't, I can't grant church authority to those who won't communicate with me. I've tried. There's people who want to be a leader of something, and I'll say, I'll give them a shot to do something of authority in the church, and then I text them, they don't text me back. I say, well, you know, uh, we got we to gotta do it like this. They don't call me back. They don't, they don't communicate. And you can't get anything done without communication. Communication is horrible these days. 
You know, in the world, somebody texts you, you don't like them, you just don't respond. But it can't be that way in the structure of authority, especially within the church. If your life group leader texts you, text them back and say, yes, I'm going to be there, or else you're not going to have a hamburger when you get there. <laughs> Seriously, we can't treat one another like the world treats us. we got to do better. we got to communicate and the main thing we got to do is communicate with God. When you're in constant communion and communication with God, He knows where you're at. Well, He knows anyway, but He wants to hear you figure out where you're at. And you begin to figure out where you're at when you're in communion with God. And so, God's looking for what? Trust. He knows when we trust Him, He can trust us. So those are the nine. Don't be ignorant of your authority. Walk by faith. Love like Jesus. Remain in Christ. Seek holiness. Watch our words. Remain under authority. Use our authority to serve and stay prayerful. A guy named Abraham Adi said, give the Holy Spirit something to work with in your life. Amen. <laughs> we are not standing in our position of spiritual authority where God has placed us over our homes, businesses, ministries, churches, communities, or nations. When we don't stand in that authority, all hell is let loose to do havoc in those spheres of spiritual influence. God gave us spiritual authority in the name of Jesus because he knows when we use it, then we can reign on earth with him. We wonder how it got this this train wreck happened here in America. And it's because the church stopped praying. The, the church stopped taking spiritual authority. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7, Go announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy and cast out devils. Give as freely as you have received. And we have most of the church saying, well, healing passed away with the disciples. So Jesus was just talking to the disciples and not us? We will be held responsible is the final point for how we either use or neglect the authority that Christ has invested in our lives as Christians. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. It's not a judgment for heaven or hell. If you're a Christian, you've already, you've already chosen heaven. But you will stand before Jesus and, and give an account for the, the talents that he gave you to invest and to bring a return. We have authority over the enemy. But sometimes it's hard to tell it. In the nation, for sure. But sometimes in our personal life as Christians, it's hard to tell that the devil's not just having his way in some people's lives. It's not, you know, some people are under attack and they're fighting the devil, new levels, new devils, they're going higher and they're fighting and that's, that's part of the battle. But some people just seem like they have just give in and stop fighting and the devil's just having his way. 
He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. He's a braying donkey is what he is. In fact, in Isaiah 14, 16, talking about that slew-footed devil, it says, everyone there will stare at him and ask, could this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Some people will be in hell saying, I came here because of you? I thought you was something. I thought you was going to whoop God. I was on your team. Look at you. Then there'll be some of us across the gulf looking and saying, that's the one we let run our nation into the ground? Some of us going to slide into heaven, cowered down by a wannabe, slew-footed, shifty little nothing. But all he has is lies. He's already been defeated. But Revelation 2.26 says, To all who are victorious, who obey my word to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. So if you rule well down here, then you will rule the nations in the millennial kingdom of Christ. If you do well with a little, he will make you ruler over much. So take your authority. Do these things that we have said today so that you can walk in them and use them and he can, you can be trusted with the authority of God. And you will do well in this life and the one to come. Bow your head, please. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know this, he died on the cross to take away your sins. I know your sins seem awful big and it seems like, man, he, he don't love me. There's no way he can. But, but I'm telling you, you got to trust in his love. There's nothing that will separate you from the love of God. I mean, if you can't see his love by him being on that cross for you, that was your cross. He, he, that was your sin he was paying for, you understand. And he's saying, I did this for you. And if you see Jesus lifted up on that cross, it should draw your heart to him. And you should say, Jesus, I have to trust in your love. I have to trust in your forgiveness. And that's what he's after, faith. Do you have faith in the resurrection power of God? Or are you going to be a, listen to a braying donkey? Listen, God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Stop basing your salvation on works. You're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not of works lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. And he wants to offer you this gift right now. You've got to receive it just like I did, just like everybody else who, have, who knows Jesus. You say, you be the Lord of my life. I turn it all, all over to you. If you've never done that, you just got to be sincere. 
That's the qualification. That you have faith enough to trust in Him instead of yourself. You know you don't trust in yourself, but you can trust Jesus. You put your faith in the cross. That's when you'll experience the resurrection power of God. You'll be raised from your spiritual death. You'll be given a new spirit and a new hope and a new future and a home in heaven. Your heart's crying out, probably beating out of your chest right now. God's saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's time that you, you put your trust in Christ all over this world. Pray with me like this. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I trust what you did on the cross, Jesus. And I trust in the resurrection power that you purchased for me. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Help me take the authority over the enemy that you paid for on Calvary. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.